0: Alright, friends, we are just a few days already into 2022, and if you're anything like me, we are looking ahead at the opportunities of starting fresh. I am thinking about what it looks like to be intentional for myself this year about digging Deep into God's Word and creating those rhythms. And you know that at She Reads Truth, we believe that reading your Bible every day is what's going to help you grow most in your confidence and your understanding of the Bible. That's why our mission at She Reads Truth is to help you become a man or woman in the Word of God every day. And by signing up for a She Reads Truth subscription box, you're asking us to help you make Bible reading a daily habit. And the good news is we've already done the work of curating daily reading with a community for every single day in 2022. As a subscriber, you're going to get the newest study book delivered right to your door every month, so you never have to decide what to read next or remember to order on time. Listen, we've heard from so many women that after consistently reading for just a few months, they've already seen a difference. They're more confident, they better understand the context of what they're reading, and they look forward to spending more time in God's Word. So if you want to make this the year you really stick with Bible reading, or you want to continue to stick with the Bible reading that you did so well in 2021, I want to invite you to the She Reads Truth subscription box. Just go to shereadstruth.com slash subscribe, and you can sign up for a digital or physical study book to be delivered to your door every month. Again, that's shereadstruth.com slash subscribe.
1: Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers, and we are thrilled
0: to be kicking off our five-week study of the Gospel of John. Y'all, we love to read a gospel. We love to read a gospel in the new year, and we're so excited about the guests that we have for this series. You're going to love them. We're kicking off today with John Tyson. Y'all, John Tyson is a pastor and a church planner in New York City. He's originally from Australia, which you're going to love. His voice, his reading voice of scripture is just a joy. He moved to the United States over two decades ago with a passion to seek and cultivate renewal in the Western church, and we're so glad that he did. Y'all, John has written a number of books that we're going to list and link in our show notes. You'll love them. Sacred Roots is his most recent one, but he has Excellent resources about being an intentional father, which our family has appreciated John lives in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood of Manhattan with his wife and his two kids And he serves as the lead pastor of Church of the City, New York John is a pastor and it is so fun to interview pastors about books of the Bible And this episode is really special, you're going to love it We're going to talk about John and we're also going to talk about New Year rhythms Which are really great to chat about at this time So anyway, let's get right to it Guys, happy new year. Happy New Year. 2022.
1: This is gonna be the year, you guys. 2022.
0: John Tyson, we are so happy that you're joining us today. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. I cannot believe how quickly time has flown. Honestly, it feels almost like out of body, like some sort of supernatural experience compared to 2020, 2021. 22's been wild.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And what does New Year's look like in the Tyson house? Like, y'all are in New York City. Do you go watch the ball drop? Like, what does it look like?
2: So I've watched the ball drop twice. Maybe the most horrific experience of my life. You can't go to the bathroom. You're stuck in Times Square. Our church actually does like all night prayer and worship on New Year's Eve. So uh, we do eight hours of prayer and worship all the way through. So start at 10 and go through to 6 a.m. and just try and pray it in one of those Moravian all night press sessions. So we've done that the last few years, and it's just honestly extraordinary.
0: I that's love beautiful. that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And like kids and adults and everybody staying up and doing the thing.
2: The kids tend to crash out, sleep on pews, that sort of thing. But they're there what in the building. What a
1: good growing up memory, though.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: I love that. Yes. All right, we'll be there.
2: Yes, next year you're oh, invited gee.
0: Yeah, that's right Yeah, <laughs> I love that Okay, and then so what does, like for you I loved reading your bio, by the way, John The line that you had in there that said That you moved, of course, you know, about 20 years ago at this point Is that right?
2: It's 24 Austra- years
0: 24 years ago You moved here from Australia to, quote, cultivate renewal in the Western Church
2: yes, So first of the-
0: all, thank you Thanks for that Thank you for that's coming for <laughs> But like, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like for you over the last 20 years, cultivating renewal?
2: Well, I've spent the last 16 years in New York City, basically planting churches the last five years, trying to build a movement of prayer, basically for revival and awakening. So, yeah, my passion is to see a church filled with the tangible presence of God, holy disciples, bold disciples, and then, uh, yeah, the manifest power of God to do things that are simply Amen. undeniable. God is here. There's these times in church yeah. history where the presence of God would be so tangible. There was manifest zones of the glory of God, undeniable, completely you know, changed history. New York City had one the businessman's revival and in it over 1 million people became Christians. They closed wall street at lunchtime. Every church in Manhattan was filled with people crying out to God. It was just extraordinary. So it's wow. the when same was God. This? What that- year was that? This is 1800 and okay. gosh, I'm, for- I'm forgetting. It's terrible. Okay. I've studied I- this stuff so much. But- oh, you gave no. us a century. That's pretty.
0: I want that that's- to happen again. Right.
2: Yes. Yeah, so yeah, we're all about that's You know, Habakkuk three, Lord, of we've heard of your fame, that's it. We stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day and our time. Make them known. That's our huge, Amen. huge prayer. So,
0: Amen. I love that. I love that. I know we'll get to our book that we're starting, our study that we're beginning with the Sheerat Truth Community. But I'm just I'm so interested in all the things that you're doing, John. I want to hear also not what does New Year's Eve look like for you, but like what does beginning a new year? look like for you like is it for you I know for some people it's like well I'm gonna like start doing this this and this and for many people it's kind of the opposite where like it's I'm taking things away or I'll stop trying to answer the question for you what does new year like what does a new year look like for you
2: well it is a bit mean, even though chronologically it's just another day of your life psychologically right. like it's an opportunity for change you exactly know, an opportunity yeah. for reflection I mean, I basically look over the quadrants of my life, heart, soul, mind, strength, and just ask the question, am I becoming more or less like Jesus? Why? And then what small things can I do in each category to sort of move into that? So I try not to do massive dramatic things that you can't sustain. Yeah. I try and do small things that I, you know, I mean, you change for the most part by consistency, not intensity. So I try and pick a few little small things and have a, a theme and the goals for the year and then just try and... Keep it going, basically. Rely on God's power, try and be faithful. And then, if you do that quite a few years in a row, over a decade or two, you become more like Jesus, you grow in your faith, and you can handle life challenges.
0: I love this. That's beautiful. And now I have my plan. Really encourage yeah. you by that. <laughs> Thank you. It feels, yeah. I, I think that long obedience in the same direction is yeah. so much more effective in becoming like Christ yeah. than, than the big intensity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's well, good. And this is an appropriate. Book of the Bible, an appropriate gospel. Any book of the Bible is appropriate to read in the new year, but in John, you know, it starts with in the beginning was the word, and we're here at a new beginning, at a new year, and we get to talk about the word with a capital W, Mm -hmm. Jesus, who is the word and who has been here from the beginning. Yeah, Jesus right. didn't just show up in the New Testament. Right. He is a member of the Trinity mm-hmm. and was with God in the beginning. And we'll read that all things... Were created. Yeah. I'm so him. happy
0: to be reading a gospel right now. Me I know too. that we like to say never be too far from a gospel. And this is. Which props to Beth yeah, on our team for yeah. telling us that. <laughs> and so it feels good to be starting a new year, starting in the book of John. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've read as a community, we've read the book of John before. We've not read it since the podcast started. So we've not gotten a podcast mm. oh, about, that's true, yeah. about the book of John, which is exciting. I mean, some things to know, of course, it's written by. Apostle John. And some cool things about the book of John. Number one, we always like to tell you, don't be afraid to sit down and read the whole book in one sitting. That's right. Um, Before we begin, it takes an hour and 50 minutes for the average reader to read this book. Sit down, set aside some time. It might take me four hours. If I'm honest, but sit down and read the book as one whole piece of literature, and then we'll go through it day by day. So I want to encourage you guys to do that if you can. It always produces fruit. It is a really good thing to get to do. Beyond that, there are some cool things that are unique to John. First of all, almost 90% of the book of John is unique from the other gospels. So it really is. As the fourth gospel, it's a very different book than Matthew, Mark, and Luke.
1: Like, I believe the people that have done that research to give us that stat, but I still feel like getting out like highlighters and me. because that just doesn't feel like
2: (laughs) 90%
0: feels like (laughs) that.
2: I think we're so familiar with the content. You get so familiar with it. Right, that's right. John's gospel. It seems so intuitive and so natural.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Other cool things in the book of John. I just like to tell you guys all the like little fun facts and then we'll like dig in. So there are some things that John specifically does to point to the deity of Jesus. One thing he does is he narrates these seven messianic signs that we'll find as we go through the next five weeks. He also provides Jesus's, his seven I am statements, which we'll get to enjoy as well. Like I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. Then also we get a lot of fulfilled prophecy, about specifically Mm -hmm. about Jesus' death in the book of John. Anyway, lots of symbolism, lots and lots and lots of going back to the Old Testament, which you see in all four Gospels. But one of my favorite things about the book of John is the
1: prologue. Yeah. Set this up for us, John Tyson. Yeah. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of John said today in this episode, (laughs) John and John. Give us, pastor us for a bit about this beginning to the book of John.
2: Can I just start at the very ending, because I think it frames the whole thing. I mean, John says, I have written this, that you may believe Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. And this is so personal to me. I was reading through this this morning, and honestly, I had to put it down, walk around the streets of New York City, and just weep with joy, because this is my experience of the gospel. I have received life through Jesus' name. This yeah. gospel is so personal to me and it's written that you may enjoy that life of God. And so, yeah, just knowing that the end goal is not just, you know, academic research or, you know, Bible knowledge, but it's actually divine encounter with the life God offers mm-hmm. is extraordinary. So, how does he do it? Well, at the start there's obviously there's echoes into the book of Genesis. So, Genesis 1 starts with God creating the world through his word. And I think it's a beautiful, hopeful word for us as well, that God is recreating all things through Jesus. And even with the theme of having a new year, it's a chance to enjoy the renewal of God, the life of God, the word of God spoken into the chaos of our own life. So I love how he sort of frames it with that, what they call an intertextual echo, one thing happening in one passage, reminding us of another one. And then it's revealing the beauty of who Jesus is. That God that the children of Israel loved, Yahweh, is now being giving further revelation in the person of Jesus and he's becoming closer. So there's Old Testament imagery, obviously. He's tabernacling among us.
1: Mm-hmm. So that
2: means God's desire is to be present with us. He's becoming flesh. He's entering into the human story. And it's just communicating at the top of God's divine lungs, I want to be with you. I want you to know me. Isn't that extraordinary to be on the receiving end of the attention of God where he's making a declaration and speaking truth into our lives. So I love this introduction too. And I think it's one of the most beautiful sections in all of scripture.
1: Can we read some of it? I think we have to. And I I mean the truth is that we could easily spend the entire time in this one yeah. one section of scripture. It's it is true. so rich. John, but... will you
0: read some for us? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean honestly, maybe the whole prologue. Okay. And feel free to interject things as you read. Just I love it and I think our listeners will enjoy listening.
2: In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world.
0: And all of our friends who just finished Advent with us as we walked through the theme yeah. of light in Scripture are yes. nodding going, yes, yes, yes. that's
2: right." He was in the world and the world was created through Him and yet the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, He gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in His name who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of a man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because He existed before me. Hmm. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from His fullness, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed Him. This is just staggering.
1: It really is. This is the Word of the Lord. Yeah. Thanks be to God.
0: Wow. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Obviously, the light theme is very exciting to see having come out of Advent, Mm -hmm. but like, what it like. When you say it 's staggering, like what are you feeling as you read that john
2: it 's just giving us like high definition detail of what God is like yeah. we're just we 're being invited into deeper intimacy, and I think i don 't know i haven 't had a perfect pass I think we 've all struggled with sin, guilt, and shame, and to realize that He comes full of grace and truth mm-hmm. and we 've received grace upon grace. And so it's one thing to know that there's a powerful God, but it's even more extraordinary to know that that power comes with love and yeah. that that love is given to us, pointed through us, and then he gives us the right to become children of God. And that's what we ache for. We ache to be wanted. We ache to be known. We ache to be received. And that's the invitation in this verse, make room in your heart because he wants you to join his family. So I mean, I, this is life itself right here. This is his life, you know?
1: Yeah. That verse that you just pointed out, that we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, Mm. that John, in his gospel— the overarching theme is the identity of Jesus as the Mm. Son of God, the divinity Mm. of Jesus, and so that we receive grace upon grace. And you could keep going, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, right? From His fullness, because He is God. And so He has, He
2: is that fullness in Himself. Yeah, the one and only Son who is Himself God and is at the Father's side, He's revealed Him. Jesus Mm -hmm. is showing us what God is like. No one's ever seen Him, but this is what He's like. And so to me, you know, with so many debates in our culture at large, what is truth? Who is God? What is God really like? God is yeah. like Jesus. He is showing us the Father's heart, the Father's love, the Father's glory. So that's why your phrase was never far from the Gospels. I always say to the people in our church, never leave the Gospels. You're always good. <laughs> no matter Even what better. your Bible reading plan is, you've got to be in the Gospel at all times.
0: I like that. Yeah. And the way that we do that at She Reads Truth is just that like, always having curated scripture so even if we're in you know ezekiel we will also be pulling in gospels as we go yeah i love that good okay and so as we go i mean y'all know listening that the goal isn't to do the work for you but to excite you to do the work Mm -hmm. um to get you excited about the reading that you have ahead of you so obviously we won't be able to read everything or get through everything today in this hour, but this week of reading is just so special. There's so much happening right away. We've just read the prologue, but now we begin the narrative, and we get into John the Baptist testimony, and we're going to mm-hmm. get into, this week we'll read two of the signs of Jesus, the signs, another word for miracles, mm-hmm. the wedding at Cana, and then
1: healing the official son. That's right. Also in Cana. Also in Cana. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. But where do we want to go from here? I mean, before we turn the page to the second day's reading, this passage from Hebrews, I mean, you're talking about curating scripture. To me, it gives us kind of like, this is the big picture of the gospels. This Hebrews 1-1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and at different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Mm. And then that verse three, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. It's what you were just saying, um, John, that Jesus is the exact expression of God's nature, Mm -hmm. sustaining all things by his powerful word and making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is the Jesus that we are reading about, that this is the sun that is revealing the glory of the father to us and that just the gift. And you know, we did just celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so this is, you know, this has been kind of on, on the brain, right? For the mm-hmm. last few weeks is that gift that we get to see God with flesh on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that we get to see like even that phrase that you use, John, like what, what God is like. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that. You know, you see, we're going to read the book of Ezekiel and Lent. Ezekiel constantly trying to explain what he's seeing in God's glory, and mm-hmm. he just struggles. I mean, he does a great job. We're proud of you, Ezekiel. But it's, he has a hard time, to right? To use human words to describe. Right. And so the yeah. gift of having a person, God, a man, God, walking around that we can go, oh, this is what he would actually do in this situation, because we have a record of him doing that yeah. in yeah. this situation. Yeah. It's remarkable. Ugh.
0: Okay. Let's I'm so going. torn on where to go from here. I don't bear the burden of doing everything, but sometimes I want to because I just love <laughs> all of it. Let's read some of it. And then
1: yeah, Amanda, you read some of it for us. So we're in um still in John chapter one and now in verse twenty nine. The next day John saw, and this is John the Baptist, Mm -hmm. saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, this is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, Mm. and He rested on Him. Mm. I didn't know Him, but He who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Mm. Mm. What does that mean, John, that there's the significance of this testimony from John the Baptist that the Spirit descended and rested, didn't just descend onto Jesus, but rested on Jesus.
2: Well, I mean, there's so much happening in this passage. It's, you could have an entire commentary just on the themes of these few verses. I think, I mean, what does the Spirit represent? It's the affirmation of God. It's the empowerment of God. It's the seal of God, the approval of God that's resting on Mm -hmm. Jesus. And, Again, I think there's somewhat of a change here. Maybe this is like you know Jesus giving us a foreshadowing of what's going to happen to us. In the Old Testament, you could lose the yeah. Holy Spirit. The Spirit could leave your life. In the New Testament, we get this beautiful vision of it resting on us. And obviously, the Spirit comes through Jesus. But he, I think He's showing us, yeah, the Father is pleased with Him. The Father is honoring Him. And I think yeah. it's a foretaste that we, through Christ, are going to have that same sort of affirmation. When I read this and I think about Just John's humility in many ways. So often we can Mm. think that, you know, life and ministry, parenting, teaching a Sunday school class, whatever it is we're doing, it's like it's about us. Here is him just saying, Get your attention off yourself. Look, behold, see, get your attention back on Jesus. And really, life is about managing our consciousness and it's all about what we pay attention to. And here is John. The prophet pointing at Christ, not using Christ to build his own brand, reputation, social media likes or whatever it is. I've always loved that about John, John's emphasis to get our eyes on Jesus.
1: Mm -hmm. And he'll say, we'll read later this week in chapter 3 where John says, because they're saying like, we see that you're baptizing, but Jesus and his disciples, they're baptizing. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment where John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Mm-hmm. And it's That's exactly right. that. It's like, yeah, yeah, look at him.
0: All <laughs> attention on him. Yeah. yeah, That's beautiful. And he even
1: says right before he says that, he says, this joy of mine is complete. Yeah, yeah like he's here. Yes. This yes. joy of mine is complete. Hey friends, a quick break to tell you that the movie Redeeming Love will finally hit theaters on January 21st. Now, you'll remember our conversation with Francine Rivers back in our Hosea series. Francine is the author of the book that the movie is based on. It was an international bestseller, it has sold 3 million copies in 30 different languages and so many of you have told us that you have loved this book for years and years but if you're unfamiliar the film Redeeming Love follows the story of Angel a girl whose life is marked by abuse and betrayal until she meets Michael Hosea and encounters a love unlike anything she has ever experienced the film Redeeming Love features Abigail Cohen, Nina Dobrev, Eric Dane, and Famke Jansen. It's rated PG-13 and it premieres January 21st in theaters nationwide. For information or to find tickets to a theater near you, visit redeeminglovemovie.com. That's redeeminglovemovie.com.
0: We also, in day two, get to read about the moment that Peter meets Jesus. It's such a like sweet little detail. Yeah. We read Acts together as a community in the fall We've studied a lot of the life of Peter, and so to see this moment where I didn't realize that Peter was first a disciple of John the Baptist, Mm. and his brother Andrew says, come, like, I think his words are, let's look, in chapter 1, verse 40, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. It's
1: they're like their meat cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we get our first follow me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was having dinner with a friend last night and we we're just sharing, asking the question, where did the voice of God first break in and change your life? And he was talking about how he read a page on a book and he had plans to go to a certain college and have roommates and build a life for himself. And he just read one little passage and it changed his whole life, that little prompting of God. And Peter could never have known, just as a fisherman, everything that would take place. He's going to move from the shores of a lake and see everything Jesus does and go on and eventually become a martyr. In Rome, he never could have fantasized that his life would be that big. And that's what I love about Jesus' invitation. He's always inviting us into the kingdom of God, out of much of the mundane and grind, into the adventure of the kingdom. And seeing that little entryway, it's kind of like, oh man, if you could fast forward, if he could only see what his life would become. And that gives me great hope. And I, you know, sometimes feel stark or I'm in a hard season. Following Jesus always leads into the kingdom of God. This will move on, you know. I love that. It's a great little right. insight.
0: Amen. Oh, I love that. Yeah, his life would not be the same after that moment for sure. No, and the same with Philip and Nathaniel, who we read about. After that, we do get our first. Amanda, you said, "Follow me, follow me
1: from Jesus." Yeah, you all are going to love this story about mm-hmm. uh, Nathaniel. I love it so much. You know, Jesus says, like, I saw you before Mm -hmm. you saw me, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like I I saw you sitting under that fig tree. And Nathaniel says, Oh, you are the son of God. And he's like, You just wait. It's like a Hamilton moment. Just you wait. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Okay. I really want to hear from John. John, I want a mini sermon. Just kidding. No pressure. (laughs) But I want to talk about this first miracle. In Cana, the water into wine, because I'm not sure that I've appreciated the symbolism of the miracle in the past. Like I've, you know, I've read about it and I've known about it, but will you talk to us a little bit about what's happening? Like just the, there's so much significance here in that that Jesus and his disciples are at a wedding, Mm -hmm. which A of all, they were invited to a wedding, That's cool. (laughs) So, people knew them, and they knew people. They had had friends, right.
2: It was human, yes. Yeah. Yes, it was human.
1: Another very human moment happens where they run out of wine, which Mm -hmm. is a big deal in Mm -hmm. this culture.
2: Well, again, it's not just, Jesus is not just basically doing party favors. He's not like, oh, you're you're facing a little bit of an inconvenience here, so let me just top it up so you're not embarrassed. It's bigger than that, and it is. It's obviously Mm -hmm. one of the signs and so I guess the question is, it's a sign of what? So, yeah. you know, scholars have pointed out different things. He takes these big ceremonial jars that were washed, 120 gallon or so they think they were, they were big. So mm-hmm. he takes these jars and he takes what was used for ceremony and he turns it into that which is used for celebration. Okay, some people point that out. And I think that's like the detail of what happens. But to me it's this... I think Jesus is bringing some of those promises from primarily the book of Isaiah about what it's like when the Messiah comes. What's it like under the rule and reign of God? And it always talks about wine, celebration, the shroud being lifted off, feast, joy, hopes. And I think this is what Jesus is basically saying. Hey, the Messiah you long for that you've read about and his rule and reign, which will be celebratory and filled with life, It's beginning now in me. And it has controversy. All of Jesus' signs, you know, they produce resistance and Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of discrepancy. So it's another good reminder that even the best miracles won't always be believed and the best miracles won't always make everybody like you or Jesus. But this one here I think is definitive because he wants the theme of his kingdom and ministry to be known. God is here. Life in His rule and reign is good. It is time to celebrate. And that's what Jesus does into our lives. One of His first announcements is always this. The kingdom of heaven is here. You can celebrate. You've been set free. You've been delivered. And here we see Him giving that great big symbol. I
0: love that. Yeah. 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 I think the things that I read about this in digging in, even just like the vessels were empty, but they were these stone jars. And like you said, John, like they're used for purification. And that instead that what came out of them was like wine, like this yes. celebration. Like it's this ushering in that Jesus came to do of, yes. of something new. He yeah. came to do a new thing.
2: So often we think it's, yeah, God's just trying to make bad people good. He's just trying to clean right. you up. Yeah. But it's like, no, He's here to give you joy. He's here to give you life. It's, it's so much more than that. Yes. That's yeah. exactly
0: right.
1: That's exactly right. Okay, so following that thread, I really like that, you know, we love to dig into like the details, like thinking about the jars and what they were used for. But also, you know, different but similar effect is doing that like high level, like what what is the highest level of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So... What can we say then about this moment that happens next in this same chapter, starting in thirteen, where Jesus cleanses the temple? Because and now and one thing that I don't think that I realize—that's my own fault for not doing—as so it's fine, friends. Continue to learn. Continue to learn. It takes <laughs> the Bible is a big book. Yeah, that this is not the same cleansing of the temple as that happens in Holy Week, correct?
2: Yes. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Two cleansing of the temples.
1: At least two, because that's yes. what we have a record of. That's right. right. Yes. Yeah. And so if the water and the miracle at Cana with the water and the wine is symbolizing this like fullness of life in the kingdom, what I feel like if I'm trying to find, okay, what is the highest level theme that I'm seeing when Jesus cleanses the temple? And you guys have heard the story. I mean, go read it this week. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty like aggressive scene. It's mm-hmm. not like. Guys, hey guys, please stop. Yeah. Like it's aggressive. Like it says Mm -hmm. in verse 15, after making a whip of cords, Mm -hmm. he's gonna go in there and make some noise, right? Mm -hmm. He drove out everyone out of the temple with their sheep and their ox. He poured out the money changer's coins. Like I mean, he's making a ruckus. Mm Overturn the tables. And he says, Get out of here, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. What is he showing us about the kingdom of God?
2: Well, I mean, you've got to ask, you know, what is the temple? I mean, I think one of the things John's doing in this book is he's trying to show the Jewish people that Jesus is fulfilling and upgrading their understanding and covenant expectations. And for the Jewish people, they called the temple the navel of the universe. They believed it was the place where heaven and earth met. Mm -hmm. This was the place you truly had access to God. And I think what Jesus is saying is you've cluttered the way. You've blocked Mm -hmm. access to God, which is what he explicitly says to the Pharisees. And he's saying, I am coming to cleanse access to God, but I'm relocating it away from a building into a person. I'm relocating it away from perpetual sacrifice to my one sacrifice. And I am letting you know that the place you will now meet God is not in a building, but it's through relationship with me. So it's actually one of those things when, like, if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness or people in other religions, they say Jesus wasn't God. I'm like, this is such an extraordinary claim to say Mm -hmm. that, Your whole system, which is controlled by priests and sacrifice and a sacred location, all of that I am assuming into myself as a person. And it is by Mm. being in relationship with me that you will have access to all of those things. It is such a meta claim. And Jesus is letting them know. This priesthood that's been corrupted, this system which somehow has been co-opted, I am cleansing it and reestablishing it in a person, not just a place. And to me, this is like one of the great shifts. And obviously, it makes them angry at Him. It's a confrontation with their hypocrisy and what they've done to God's commandment. So, this is a beautiful moment, but you said it. It's an intense moment.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even just that statement, stop turning my father's house mm-hmm. into a marketplace. I mean, that's another… You know, statement of his divinity. like that's right. I'm mm-hmm. the actual son of God. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in these two
0: seemingly unsimilar events, the wedding at Cana, miracle, and then this, in both of these, he's ushering us from old to new. He's yes. saying, yes. you know, yeah, this purification good. to like this new wine. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he's saying, you know, from this temple where you worship to now you worship me. It's and, new and, covenant. and this new covenant. And we'll see even later this week, this ushering like that same idea with the Samaritan woman, where he says, like, there will come a time where my people will worship in spirit and in truth, where it's no longer about a building. Yeah. That's just one of the most, one of the beautiful themes mm-hmm. that we're seeing in the book of John. So, with the time that we have remaining, John, would you rather. This is a fun game. Talk about Jesus and Nicodemus, which is a real good story, or the Samaritan woman.
2: Well, look, I love Nicodemus. I think it's a very amazing text that shows us how humble we have to be. If a teacher of Israel who knows the law still has to be educated in the ways of Jesus, it's both confronting yes. and humble. But that's not. I want to talk about the woman. The yeah, me, oh, said,
1: good, good. I was hoping you would choose. It. I also love Nicodemus. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, but this. Okay, story- but tell us why.
1: Tell us why you chose. this.
2: Well, yeah, I got to go to Israel. I actually went on a peacemaking trip. Like this was with the Telos group. This was like man, a decade ago, but wow. we actually went to this well and Jacob's drunk what? water. So no I drunk kitty. water from this well that uh, a priest gave us that was there. And they think this is it, like this, very little historic conjecture. And when wow. you see the context and the place and you realize Jesus is God in the flesh on earth meeting a woman who's been ostracized and is using mm-hmm. – is using this as an invitation into relationship with Him as honestly one of the most sacred moments of my life.
1: Yeah, I can see why. I love that. I mean, there are so many reasons that culturally speaking, this interaction shouldn't have happened, yes. right? Yes. Like, she's a Samaritan, he was a Jew, mm-hmm. So, and they were not she's friends. She's a woman, he's a man. Right. Yes.
2: Culturally,
0: they she's do a, not. He's a rabbi, like all of the reasons. Even more, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's it, what I, I love about... This text. this text is such a confrontation to me because so often we build ministries that we are comfortable with. And here's the simple point. If the disciples were running Jesus' ministry, this woman never would have been saved. Yeah. If the disciples wow. were running That's this true, ministry, yeah. the breakthrough never would have happened in that village. They had categories that said God can move within these parameters, these cultural conditions. And they're nervous. They don't want to talk to Jesus about it, but they're like, you're crossing a boundary here that we know you shouldn't be crossing. But Jesus' boundary crossing love brings this woman to himself. So it shows God's heart for the individual, but it ultimately results in a breakthrough in that village. And to me, it's like I'm so grateful that ministry in the world today doesn't depend just on our human categories. Mm -hmm. It is like it's not disciples' ministry, it's Jesus' ministry. And I always want to remind people, sometimes they think, you know, well, what about this and that with the church? It doesn't always get it right. I'm like, yes, but Jesus always does. Even when we put boundaries in the wrong places, Jesus brings people in, lifts their vision, gives them truth. It's still a hard conversation, but it's a merciful conversation. And what it results in is her being radically connected to God.
0: And then sharing the gospel. Like A detail that I noticed for the first time this time was that the disciples were in the town that she eventually went to. They came in verse 30 of chapter 4. It says, they left the town and they made their way to Him. So, they came from the town. And she went to the town, and it says, Now many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. And it goes on, but that her testimony of having encountered Jesus and him crossing the boundaries to meet with her mm-hmm. saved many.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Isn't that beautiful? Like that the disciples had come from that town and weren't able to produce the fruit that was yes, produced? Yes.
2: That's it. That's it. You know, ministry with traditional discipleship categories in their day would have skipped this whole encounter.
0: And perhaps this whole people group. Like, it's just, yeah. It's funny because, I mean, again, we read Acts this fall as a community and we saw the crossover from first Jew then to Gentile and it's exciting to see the gospel being availed to the world but that's not when it started Jesus started that like Jesus yeah. started availing the gospel yeah. to the world and you know we call it the acts of the apostles but it's the acts of Jesus that are being carried out you know yes, yes. through
1: them yeah that it's an invitation you know what that's what strikes me about this passage is how invitational it is where Jesus is saying you know you could drink this water all day long. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. You could drink this water all day long. You will still be thirsty. But if you drink the water that I give, you'll never be thirsty again. And she's like, give me this water. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, so this is one of those claims again. Only someone who is insane or God can make this claim.
1: Right. You right. know, that mm-hmm. like
2: by drinking from me, whatever that even means, the, right. the deepest thirst of the human heart will be fully quenched. What an invitation. And, and honestly, right. we live in a world today. I think there's so many people who are thirsty for meaning, for hope, for freedom, for forgiveness. They're trying so many other things. But Jesus, again, roots it back in himself. I alone am able to meet the deepest needs and longings of the human heart. And in many ways, that's one of the reasons I follow Jesus. This is my story. Yeah. I was a seeker, I was passionate, I was hungry. And I didn't want to become a Christian because I thought, gosh, there's no life there. It's death, it's slavery, it's law. And I realized, no, all those things were actually routed to him. And I found complete satisfaction in turning to Jesus. So I love this. What a passage.
0: The other thing in this passage that I think I just noticed new for the first time, and it makes me think of the work that you're doing, John, is that kind of 34 through 38 Where Jesus is saying, you know, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. But then he goes on to say, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. And I read that. And, and, and he's speaking to the disciples, And he's speaking right? to the disciples. And like their role is distinct from Jesus' role here. He is sowing and he's going, you're going to need to do a lot of reaping. And I think about the science of planting and harvesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from one seed comes a harvest. And from that harvest comes more seeds that you can plant. And... You think about it; all traces back to one seed, you know, and then, and that foreshadows, you know, John chapter twelve verses twenty three and twenty four, where he says that he has to be planted in the earth,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which foreshadows mm-hmm. Genesis three uh, fifteen. Yeah, which is like yeah. you know My from God. the, the woman. Yeah, okay. this is yeah.
2: Bible jazz right here, just pulling all the stuff together. Bible jazz, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love
0: that. Ooh. But I just think about the invitation that is first to the disciples and also to us to be reaping the harvest that was planted by Jesus, by the original seed, and that every life, every soul that comes to Him is because of Him. It's because of Him, and we just get invited to participate in reaping what we did not sow.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you this, a lot of people say, you know, the culture's becoming increasingly godless or more and more secular, and I think in some ways, at a large level, that may be true. But on a typical level, I mean, I'm in the middle of New York City. I see people all the time who quote-unquote live in a secular culture who are personally so open and so hungry. And we've got to realize all hearts have been made by him and for him. And there's something within them that will never be satisfied until they meet him. And we have that opportunity no matter what people say about how hard it is or how godless it is to bring this hope and this good news to people who desperately Amen. need it, to really know that He is, as they say, the Savior of the world.
0: Man, I wish that we had more time, John, but this has been the perfect way to kick off our study of the Gospel of John and the new and year. Our year. yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. So, thank you so much for joining us and for, I just feel, we pray for this every time we record that we would also be changed in the live recording, and that was true here. I would love to end, I would love to go back to day one. There's this passage from Isaiah, and John, I would love for you to read it for us. It feels like my prayer for us as a community for this study, but even I feel like it just ties so closely to what we've been talking about, about being changed by the things that are planted in us.
2: It says, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, for just as rain and snow fall from heaven, And do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do.
1: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. What a prayer. Yeah. And even just here at the new year, that that would be true in our that God's word promises that
0: it will not return void. Mm. I want that in my own heart. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, friends, this is a week to be a woman in the Word of God every day. A man man. in the Word. We know you're out there. We know you're out there. (laughs) I pray that you will be. Start this new year with the simple act of opening your Bibles and reading. Next week we'll be back with Jeannie Cunyan and we're so excited to have her with us. But until next week, John, what do we tell our friends?
2: Keep opening your Bible.